Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, what um, do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 118 of the White Tail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in my basement with my dog, Charles Island. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. What's going on? Two weeks in a row, Murphy's like chilling down here, man. Yeah, he just loves the intro part. You know, not the full episode, but when we go to do this intro after a fact, he is here. Yeah. <laughs> And he's heavy mouth breathing, just, <laughs> ah, ah, dude. I think we just waited a good eight minutes to start this intro because of the cat and the dog. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> you see what we're dealing with over here, guys? Like, he's this is what we put out. up with to get you guys cool episodes. <laughs> it was kind of hilarious because I did look at you and went, the distraction is real? <laughs> yeah, you bet your ass it is. <laughs> oh, the, the the pet distraction. Yeah, oh my goodness. New podcast coming to you soon. <laughs> new series yeah <laughs> we're gonna have the pets on oh my goodness gracious <laughs> oh boy actually murphy was on that last one i think a little bit yeah yeah he was heavy mouth he's breathing, part of the fam him. yeah hey, he's good part of the fam yeah so what's new man what'd you do in the uh the whitetail world for the last week what was your uh, non-negotiable <clears throat> my non-negotiable was get more cameras out so i've got a good mineral site going got some cameras out Nothing exceptional on camera yet. Um, some smaller eights, and then just like a goofy. He's like a fork on one side, and then a solid four point side on the other. Heavy on the one side, but just he's like goofy looking. I don't know. The I one, don't think he's gonna turn into anything. That one looked like a shooter to me. The one, I mean, he he still got some time to grow. He might be. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It, it, he might. I don't know. Maybe he'll get me With all some fired mineral? up. He gets some mineral in him. Yep, he's he's tearing up the mineral so. He was there quite a bit. We'll see what happens. Heck yeah, you never know. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. 
What about you, man? Well, um, I mean, we got extremely lucky, to say the least. It's been, what, a drought for like 40 days straight, it seems like, with yeah. zero rain. And we decided we we're going to go put the food plot in because it's that time of year. You know, mid to late July, we're going to go put the food plot in. So it was like Friday before my softball games, before I went up to camp on Saturday. I'm like, me and Sam went out to his parents. He brought out the aerating machine, brought the mower. We cut the whole clover field, touched up some some things in the plot there, uh, put the scent on the mock scrape yeah. rope that we hung. Using uh, pre-orbital and yeah. interdigital? Yeah, we just did the pre-orbital. Nice. Uh, we didn't do the the interdigital in the ground or anything like yeah. that in the actual. Um, but we, we scraped it up real good because Sweet. the week before we had sprayed all the weeds and stuff and made the spot. Yeah, I it, saw you. Yeah. Yeah, and then he went in and he actually took a, like a little mini rototiller and, and tilled it up. Also, we hit the the mineral site and tilled it up because it was hard as a rock. Sweet. So we got that real nice loose soil. We refreshed that, cut the field, cut the uh, bottom third really low, and he came in and just crushed it with that aerating machine, just um, taking cores out both directions and then laid the food. And don't you know, we get rain like all weekend long. Yeah, man. Saturday and Sunday. Raining in that seed, dude. <laughs> and now we got a squirrel in there. We haven't seen a squirrel yet on camera. He's in there like every day, so we're thinking he's trying to eat our seed out of that they might bottom be. plot. I'm going to have to go down there and kick him or something because <laughs> can't do <laughs> <laughs> That's your go-to? <laughs> you can't do much else. Just go down and kick him. <laughs> Just kick him. <laughs> I'll sit in my ghillie, in your ghillie suit. That is not what I expected you to say. <laughs> he's so far off guard. Oh, my gosh. But that was my whitetail non-negotiable was getting that plot in, and, and we did. We got some buck brunch planted. Sweet. So hopefully that does well. And uh, did another rattlesnake trip, and we found some snakes, but no keepers. No so. keepers. Well, my first road snake. <laughs> Dude, I was so excited. Like yeah. I know you can see it in my eyes. I was so pumped. We talked about that for two hours. I swear to you, two hours straight. Me and Boo, where we talked about how I have never seen one on the road. All these roads we drive. How can I be the only one that's not lucky enough? Meanwhile, you look at cameras and you see all these pictures of people on social media. And they're all across the road. So we come up across this one dip, and, and we're coming up the other side, and I see something laying across, and I start looking at it, and I'm like, no way. Yeah. Sure enough, it's probably about a 30-inch, probably a female. It had like seven or eight rattles, not a bad snake at all. Yeah. And it was laying right in the middle of the road, acting like it was just dead. Dude, we're, we're from me to you away from this thing, you know, taking pictures, filming it. Finally, I put the GoPro, or his Insta360, real far out on his extended stick, and I'm running a video behind it. And I get like three inches from its head, and all of a sudden it turns on, oh, rattle man. and everything. We both jumped out of our skin. Yeah, that's a nope rope, dude. <laughs> and it just slithered off and went up into the hillside. But that's wild. What a blast, man. Um, that's so terrifying to it me. It was a great week. Good for you. You missed guys. a good one. That would have been the perfect first snake for yeah. you. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, man. I was at a family barbecue. Were you? I was. Anything good on the menu? We had burgers and dogs and, and yeah. stuff like that. You know, normal barbecue stuff. You're, you're typical. Yeah. Yeah. We did some typical stuff. Nothing too crazy. That ain't bad, it though. Good. It was good. Yeah. Got a bunch of family together. It was really nice. Sweet, man. Yeah. 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 Well, we have a very exciting podcast today. We have an absolute killer coming on. PA oh, yeah. boy who killed an absolute just freaking swamp donkey. Oh, it's it, it, it a good one. It's a good one. Or, in the words of Ryan Tanner... It's a good one. 
It really is. Hopefully we didn't ruin anything on this story because it is a it's a phenomenal story. Sit back. It is gonna be really good. But before we get to the story. Before we get to the story, we got a couple of things like business we need to take care of. We do indeed. First and foremost, we gotta talk about our sponsors. Just real quick. We're just gonna run through them. We're not gonna give you guys the whole spiel today. We got Square Gear. Yep. Screw gear. VIP archery. VIP archery. Out on only manufacturing. Yep. Other fun people sometimes. That's yeah, every once in a while we have, <laughs> you know, one come and go, but that's pretty much those are the three main homies. Yeah, that, yeah. That those are our us. ride or dies right there. That's right. That's yeah. Right. But other than that, a couple of other things we need to talk to you guys about. Since you're still listening to us ramble on, if you could do us a favor and head over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast and give us a five-star review, be awesome. Yeah, write a little something in there. All right, write something in there. Tell them how goofy we are. How awesome our show is. All that fun stuff. You know, yeah. do, do us a solid. Or if you hate it, you know, <laughs> save the, the the review and just send it in a message to us. We, yeah. we love that. <laughs> Instagram, you know, slide into our DMs and yeah. tell us how much we suck. Yeah. That's fine. It'll I'm be good. good. It. I'm good with it. I'm good with it, too. Now, Other than that. Big thing. Yeah. August 13th. We have a shoot. We do have our first ever shoot that we are hosting at a Possum Hollow Sportsman's Club. Wampum PA. Our link, if you go into any one of our social media accounts, you go to our link tree. There's the PA, PABA, PA Bill Hunting, WDP. Yeah. Shoot. WDP we, got a, yeah. we, got a, we got a shoot going. I was trying to think of the acronym there. I was having a hard time thinking I think about it. WDP, PABH. PABH, yeah. Yeah, you can go out. We have a shoot page. You can go <laughs> on and check that out. We got all the details and stuff on there. Super fun. We'd love to have you guys come. It's going to be our first one. We're going to figure it out as we go, but it's going to be fun. We're going to have a bunch of guys. It's a... I think 30 yard or 30, 50 tar- and in 30 targets, 30 50, target, 50, 50 and, and in. in. Yeah. Yep. And then we're going to have a youth and trad 20 and in. Yeah. So, I mean, really there's no rules here. You're shooting for fun. Come out, enjoy the day. We're going to be shooting between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. We'll have a booth set up. We're trying to get some vendors out to you. We're already talking to some. I know we had, um, we had Wayne on last week. They're trying to make it out. Yeah, very cool. We'll see if they can make it out and, and set up a booth. We're going to try a couple other local places as yeah, well. So I think it'd be cool. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. You know, come hang out and come see what's all about. We're going to try to get some giveaways and things like that. Just make it a, a, an absolute blast. Absolutely, man. And then last but not least, if you guys also want to head over to our link tree, make it really easy on you while you're checking out our you know shoe page, you can go down to our Patreon if you feel like supporting us, if you don't, again, send us a DM and tell us, tell us how horrible we are. But you can check it out. We have a bunch of different tiers, a bunch of different prizes, not prizes, but a bunch of different levels of the tiers and stuff that you can get with them. And uh, we have the awesome Marco Polo group. A bunch of guys in there talking about fun stuff, hunting usually. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. That takes care of business really for this well, week. Got to give a huge shout out to our new Patreon as well. Oh, we do. We have boy. Bruce, Bruce Pierce. He just joined the Patreon. He's on Marco Polo. You know, he's going to hang out and just figure things out, try to figure out the polo. And and uh, I saw him on there quite a, quite a bit as, as well. He's keeping up with things. But, you know, it's a nice place. It's basically just a video app, guys, where we all hang out and talk deer hunting and hold each other accountable. and Shoot ideas know. back and forth. And yeah. 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 It'll get strategic and stuff in the season, too. It, oh, yeah. It's actually pretty awesome. I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's going to be good. All right, we're back with another episode, except today, well, I guess last one was PA as well, but today we are bringing 
more deer content, my friend. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, baby. There's going to be some happy people about that. I'll tell you what, if you like to hear good deer stories from Pennsylvania, well, you're in the right place because we have our buddy Alex Lindemuth on the phone, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the trad bad killer himself. What's going on, buddy? Not much. How are you guys doing? Well, I just got fired up there in that intro. I ain't going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing I'm great. <laughs> yep, I'm ready. I wasn't sure where you were going with that for a second. I was like, it turned out good. It was good. It wasn't bad, right? <laughs> it was solid. It was yeah, solid. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, if you guys don't know who Alex is, by the way, uh, he is on Instagram. You can check him out by his name. But uh, Alex, I believe you also run the uh, PA Ridge Reapers Instagram account. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, I haven't been too active on there lately, but yeah, that's mine. Okay, okay. Well, before we get too deep into it, why don't you give a little background on uh, who you are, where you're from, and we'll, we'll start there. Yep, so my name's Alex Lindemuth. I'm 24 from Brockway, Pennsylvania here, and uh, started out hunting at a real young age. Went along with my dad wherever he went, deer hunting, turkey hunting, squirrel hunting. Um grew up hunting the swamps of sugar hill I'm, I'm i live just out of town about five minutes so i'm not directly in town i grew up in the country but uh yeah that's pretty much it shot i started hunting archery whenever i was nine i actually killed my first deer with the compound when i was nine and then after that it just took over and it's become an obsession dude that is that's legit that's like way way earlier than like anybody i know killing yeah. them at nine that's, that's crazy i'm pretty sure that that was the first year that you were allowed to hunt under 12 i'm pretty sure that's sweet so that was like the mentored youth program and mm -hmm. you just you got to do that it was like bow. whenever it first started yeah that because is sweet for a while there i wasn't able to hunt at all but like now my little brother i have a little brother who's 18 years younger than me he's only six and he's already killing stuff so oh yeah i start that dang man i can't even imagine like i was going out when i was like eight and like I remember, like tromping around, I couldn't even like fathom me like at nine shooting a deer with bow. <laughs> that's no. awesome. Yeah, that's, that's all thanks to my dad, and he's done it all for me. That's awesome. Nine years old. What was that like? Were you shooting from the ground? Were you in ladder stands? Yeah, I, we didn't we didn't hunt stands much. He okay. didn't want me in stands much starting out, so it was just a lot of ground blinds and then just some literally just some ground sets. I've I've done a lot of ground hunting growing up. I've killed quite a few bucks off the ground with my dad, but yeah, that my first. That year there, I had a, I shot a doe the first day out of a blind at 15 yards, smoked her. I had a, a little Hoyt, and it was like, I think it was 38 pounds, right around 40 pounds. And that same year, I hit a buck off the ground whenever we were, we were actually moving a stand, and he was chasing the doe and combined. I hit a buck that year with the bow, but I never did kill a buck that year. The following year is when I got my first one with the bow. Dude, you were a beast of a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. It, it was fun. It's part of growing up out here i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah you ain't kidding man nine years old i i can't even fathom and i'm, I'm thinking about this you, you know you were a nine-year-old shooting a regular compound bow yeah and... but it was a youth it was an old hoyt it was a youth hoyt yeah i forget and, the exact and i know guys that are like mid-20s i know guys 20s, on our age and stuff that are shooting, shooting crossbows because for... they're like oh, i don't know about the, the upright bow yep <laughs> and, and you know i mean there's a lot of like shoulder complaints out there right but dude, oh, yeah, you're getting it done it with 38 pound draw you know 40 pound draw i mean that's pretty light i imagine anybody i think 35s are cut off yeah yeah yep. and yeah 35s are cut off my dad he he was always it was pretty much 20 and in and he didn't really like me shooting 20 it was pretty much 15 and in for hunting right yeah 
I started out with the old Magnus stingers. That's what everybody used, and they got the job done. So, is that what everybody used out there? Because around here it was like Thunderhead. <laughs> Thunderheads, <laughs> whenever, baby. Whenever they first, whenever they first come out, they were hot. Everyone used them up this way, but then we found out they don't leave much of a blood trail. So, <laughs> <laughs> the old Magnus stingers. That's sweet, man. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool, and. To think about, I mean, it just kind of blows my mind because we weren't allowed to hunt until yeah. we were 12, you yeah. know? And yeah, you guys weren't even been able to at that age, which would have been, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was so involved in sports and stuff too at that age. Like, I, honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about hunting until I was probably 10 or 11. That's when I first started gaining more interest in it. And I'm like, all right, one more year is my year. I get to go, you know? Yep. And that, oh, that's awesome. That's, you know, I'm glad they did introduce like the the youth programs and the uh, especially with my nephew and stuff taking him out early it's it's so much fun man and it's really good for kids honest to god it's really good for kids it's crazy oh yeah for sure if they wouldn't have introduced it i don't think there'd be half as many kids hunting because if a lot of them had to wait till they're 12 by the time they're 12 they probably wouldn't have much of an interest in it anyways yeah yeah so pennsylvania hunter 2F hunter, I should say. Um, yep. Correct. Yep. 2F. Good old 2F. Yep. Uh, we hunt up there a little bit ourselves as well. I know there's a lot of big woods, but you mentioned swamps. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the bottom of 2F, but above me, like, I head out. If I leave my house and just head back the road, it's 2F the Hoy to... It, it runs clean up the New York border, doesn't it? Um, close to it. I think close to it, at least. Pretty sure it does. I, I was just looking <laughs> at the pretty, map the other day, but... Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure it goes all the way up. Anywhere else, if I head a little south, but I usually head north. <laughs> there you go. So let's let's dive into that a little bit then, huh? I want to dive into kind of swamp hunting because you know Austin and I hunt a couple swamps ourselves, and they can be tricky. When you mention swamp hunting, I mean, what's what's the tactic in play here? Are you hunting hard edges? Or are you getting in deep from the ground? I mean, especially my we'll biggest, get into more, my biggest... but. Yeah, my biggest thing with the swamps is hunting hard edges. I love hard edges. That's like clear cuts and swamps are my go-to. Okay. But so, yeah, so I grew my I grew up on a family farm. My dad's mom mom's family they had a family farm, and now her brother runs it. And it's like I think there's 500 acres, a little over 500 acres, but the majority of it's all swamp along an old railroad grade. Hmm. That's, Sounds that's familiar. Where I grew up it sure hunting. does, doesn't it? <laughs> you sure you're in two F? You know, <laughs> not sneaking down here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. I mean, we pretty much have this uh, very similar uh, situation. What we hunt as well, we're doing the same thing. We're hunting tree stands on the hard edges, pretty much, and it's done pretty good for us. Yeah, with a farm least. and a and a swamp and a railroad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you shut up now. <laughs> it's uh, it's located in six G. Yeah, six G. Yeah, there might be a six yeah. G. You better watch what I don't you say. <laughs> it's like Philadelphia County. <laughs> yeah, by the Panhandle. See, he gets it. <laughs> My man, he gets it. Oh, I love it, man. That's great. So, I mean, I, I guess I kind of get it. If you started into compound bow at nine years old, I think I started when I was fourteen. You know, you've kind of transitioned now into traditional archery. So it, it kind of makes sense. You've been through, a, I mean, honestly, almost probably more years than I have with the regular bow. But what was that transition like? I mean, what made you think, hey, I want to try traditional archery? So it was actually, it's been a year and a half. It was January of 21 of last year. There was a guy here in town that cuts hair. He has a barber shop. He's a retired state cop. 
and I would I always go to him to get a haircut. I was in there BSing with him one day about uh, deer hunting and stuff, and I didn't know, but he was actually hunting traditional. So I, I found that pretty interesting. We were talking about it. And he's it was over winter, and he said uh, we shoot every Wednesday. It's a local club here, just out of town. He said we shoot every Wednesday. It's just trad guys only. He said come on up and give it a go. There's plenty of bows there. Someone can bring bring you one. So I was like, all right, yeah, you know, I'll give it a go. I went up there that Wednesday. I went up, and I didn't put a bow down the whole time. I just kept shooting and shooting. It was just addicting, trying to figure it out and like know where to hold and how to do it and everything else. That night I went home, got online, started started looking for recurve bows, and I didn't end up buying one that night. But the next day I ended up ordering a brand new bear grizzly, 45 pounds, which was kind of stupid. I should have talked to them guys up there, and I'm sure they could have easily sold me a good starter bow. <laughs> yeah, but for that was sure. where it all that, that was where it all started, and it just it's just taken off from there. I just felt falling in love with it. That's pretty wild, man. I know a few guys that have kind of more so recently got into the whole trad game and. You know, I feel like guys, especially our age, once they get that bow in their hand and they really start playing with it a little bit, they just go, I mean, balls deep. I mean, you can't, guys get so infatuated with it that it's just like a buddy of mine that I work with. It's all he talks about anymore. And it, I love it because I love archery. And it's just, it, it's amazing the stuff that he has learned in such a short period of time involving it. Cause yep. there's, there's so much material out there now because it's become such a, like back in the day, that's all there was. And then, you know, you had this period of time where it kind of went to the wayside a little bit. And now you have this big boom again, and it's pretty, pretty wild. There's so much information and videos and reading material and everything now. It's wild. Yeah, it's becoming huge. It's really taken off the past couple of years, and it's getting to be a pretty big community. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, like Austin said, it's it seems like the first bow with wheels on it. I mean, it came out, everyone was like, get rid of this damn thing <laughs> yeah. and give yeah. me one of those. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people, some people didn't get rid of that traditional, but... Wheels are for cars. Yeah, it does seem like (laughs) a lot of people are going back to it. You know, Joe mentioned that he wanted to get into it, and I think the turnoff for him and I with the bow that him and Russ bought um, was that they bought a 60-pound recurve. Oh, my gosh, that'll do it. That'll definitely turn you off. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you shoot that thing three times, my shoulder's ripping out of the socket, and you're not, there's no consistency or anything with it. No, that's more that's more just for snap shooting and you need power. That's the way I'd look at it. That sounds terrible. I'd, yeah. I'd tell anybody if you're wanting to get into it and you want to go buy a bow, I'd look for something around 40 pounds just to start out. It don't necessarily have to be your hunting bow, which you could hunt with it if you wanted to. But right. just to get your form and everything like that down because it's, it's so much different than a compound. You don't have any let off, anything like that. So it, it really wears on you. So I kind of want to break into it, though, because – We've never really talked traditional archery on here in depth before. I, I want to know what that process is like. I mean, would, and you just said you made a great point how you would start at 40 pounds. So where did you start in the process? And, and if where you started was wrong, where should somebody start? You know, how do you get into it and how do you first start practicing and everything else? I want to go a little bit deeper with that too. I want yeah. you to kind of get into what kind of style of shooting you you picked, whether it was, you know, gap shooting or a fixed crawl or all that fun stuff. Yep. Yeah, so, oh boy. There's, <laughs> you, can get real, you can get real deep with this one. But, uh, so I'll start out with the whole how I shoot and everything. Well, first off, I bought that Grizzly. It was 45 pounds. And I started, I got it in a box. Didn't have no way to string it or anything like that. So I did the old-fashioned way where you, like, put your leg through it. Yep. Strung it that way. 
And I shot it for like a week until the night, the following Wednesday. And I took it up there and those guys instantly, they were all giving me crap. Why would you buy that? We have bows. That's going to be too much poundage. And I was like, Oh, it'll be all right. Well, turns out they were right. I probably should have listened to them, <laughs> but I took it up there and I was shooting, uh, my brace height was like four inches, which normally most bows are recommended the lowest six and a half. So obviously, obviously that wasn't good. Uh, I was shooting every day in the garage and I started out, um, shooting a fixed crawl. I never shot instinctive. I can shoot instinctive fine, but I just, I seen those guys doing it up there and how accurate they are shooting a point on. That's, that's just kind of what I dove into. So I started shooting point on, uh, with three under and I don't shoot a fixed crawl anymore. Now I just shoot, I'm tight up against the knock and I anchor with my middle finger in the corner of my mouth. If that makes sense. That's different. Like a fixed, yeah, a fixed crawl, a lot of guys, and the reason they shoot the fixed crawl is because they like the space between, like, their, where they're, they're anchoring and the arrow, because then they can look down the arrow more. The arrow's closer to your eye. Mine's more so down, still on my nose. All I'm looking at is the tip of the arrow. Okay. I, I don't know the, like, actual lingo for the form and everything, like Austin yeah, it's, clearly <laughs> does it's, here. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it, it's a lot, I mean, it's just like the compound and everything in a way because you you still have the same form other than without the release like you're anchoring right. with your kisser button so instead of my kisser button i'd have three fingers under the arrow and i would use the tip of my middle finger and i'd anchor it right in the corner of my mouth every time i draw back okay so was that and more comfortable to... for you just because you were coming from compound shooting or is that just what you found that's just kind of what i found and where i shot best at there's okay. there's so many different ways of doing it like a lot of guys who shoot instinctive, they'll shoot split finger for instinctive because that's just you're pulling back and that's just picking a spot and shooting. But a lot of like if you watch like a lot of target shooters and everything like that, they're all a lot of them are shooting a, a point on. It's just more guaranteed almost. It's almost yeah. like having a sight, but I mean, not a sight. I feel like a lot of people that get into traditional archery, like as a starting point, they kind of pick one. And I feel like a lot of people just in their mind feel like they have to shoot instinctively. And then once they start doing research and they start learning about these other methods and stuff, they just start playing with them almost like he did just to find the one that fits see, them Which best. one you like, yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll see a lot of people too. They'll pick a form and they'll start shooting and after like a year or something, you'll see them post on like Facebook or something. Oh, I'm switching my whole form, want to do everything different. And that's probably just because of something they've seen or switching your form can do so much. Like if I wanted to shoot um, IBOs, I'd more than likely set up a fixed crawl just to make that a little bit easier and then my gaps wouldn't be near as big. It's confusing if you like when I first started, it was just a complete brainwash for me. Thankfully, I had enough people around, and there's obviously YouTube now to help me out. But yeah. it, it definitely got the best of me for a while. That's kind of the point I was wondering, too. I mean, so you get the bow out of the box, you, you string it up, you start shooting it. I mean, did you do a lot of research beforehand on, on how you felt like you were going to shoot right off the bat, or how did you process into getting comfortable with what works for you? The, the push has a video on youtube it's i think it's just called the the push it was their first actual video it's like a it's a, it's it just goes over like all the different types of trad bows and everything like that it goes over all the different aiming methods and stuff like that i watched that video a few times and out of the, he i think he did uh three different methods he did the fixed crawl um instinctive and i uh, that might have been the only two he showed on there and that's whenever i went with the fixed crawl Okay. That's where I got the fixed crawl from. And then, I mean, I'm pretty much still shooting a fixed crawl, but I don't crawl down the string at all. I'm just fixed right at the knock every time. So my, my pointer finger would be touching the knock every time. That's so wild, man. I've heard about that video several times. That seems like, I don't want to call it like the Bible of traditional shooting, but like if you're going to hear like 
somebody say, oh, you go watch this video is typically the push. Yeah, it, it literally, it, I think that's what's probably put a big jump on everybody, like in PA base, anyhow, shooting traditional archery. It's just gotten huge and it, it's brought in a lot of people. Yeah, that's so wild. Would that be the shooting trad bows for dummies book if it was a book? That video, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, honestly, I've, I've watched the, I've watched certain parts of it probably five, six times, just trying to figure things out. And but like you said, that guy, you said that guy at work started shooting recurve, and he learned so much. I know so much more in a year and a half of shooting recurve about bows in general than I did in all the years of shooting compound. Oh yeah, it's like it's like a science almost, and I mean it, just it even is. tuning your arrows and and bear shaft yep. tuning and like everything. It's it it's so it's such a science and you know, this, the twist in your string and it, it's so crazy to me. Like I can't even fathom all of it. Yep. I've lost sleep over tuning arrows. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that, that was a, that thing. a good thing. <laughs> I didn't even know you had to tune like traditional oh, yeah, archery man. too. You're better to be oh, overspined than underspined. And you just like take it off a quarter inch at a time just to see how it's going. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, and then you and you, a lot of guys like some guys will say, "Oh, never cut your arrow," so they'll just match the point weight, and change your point weight, and everything like that. It's it's quite the process. Okay, so there's a lot more attention into your arrow than at this point when you go to traditional archery. There's there's a bigger build involved than than what most people might do when they just buy a set of arrows that are already fletched and ready to go. Oh, most definitely. If you go buy arrows and you put a hundred grain tip on them and they shoot straight, then you're pretty lucky. <laughs> but oh, i mean for the most yeah it, it's it, it's a pain man but I, the air the air is the most important part because especially if you're going to be hunting with it you want those things to be flying as straight as you can because you get a little bit of drift or anything like that you're slowing it down you're losing penetration velocity everything like that so luckily you had a place near you with what sounds like some mentors to help you out i mean if yeah. if someone didn't though i mean what what would you suggest i mean do they need to find that person you think that's best case scenario or what i always recommend to find someone my uncle shoots traditional and he helped me out some too but he's kind of new into it as well he's only been doing it for three years and he i mean he's good with it but he helped me out some and then I, I i'm not big into asking for help so honestly i learned a lot more of it from youtube than anything like now i'm making my own strings i learned how to do all that on youtube and all pretty much the whole tuning process i mean i've gotten input from other people but in order for me to do it, I just get on YouTube and watch it, different videos, a couple times, and just kind of try to figure it all out. It was easy, just easier that way for me rather than messaging someone or going there and them doing it for me. It was just, it worked out better that way. But if you can find someone that can definitely help you out and point you in the right direction and get you started, that that's a big help. You look perplexed right now. <laughs> <clears throat> I am deep in thought because, you know, there's so many things running through my mind because I, I, I've thrown that idea out there in my own internals before of trying it or getting involved in it. So, you know, what better way to ask than someone who's kind of newer in it himself, you know, how you yeah, did it and figured that you uh, you could give some good pointers. So that's why I, I am deep in thought. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's something thoughts. I never even thought about until I went to get went to get a haircut that day, and that was just within forty eight hours. I was full blown hunting with a recurve next year. Yeah, that is so wild, man. You opened up Pandora's box here, bud. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's really yeah. dangerous. Yeah, Chuck's all, one of these guys yeah. that it, it's kind of bad because if he's intrigued by something, next thing you know, I, like I know he's gonna call me tomorrow and be like, "Bro, I spot eight bows." 
<laughs> I'll tell you, you know, ever since things have been evolving and getting more user friendly, it just seems like every year I got something new I want to try or something different. It, it I don't know. I got to slow down. I'm trying. This is the year of slowing down. Now you're trying to put a trad bow in my hand. I, I don't like it. <laughs> you brought nope. it up to him. I know. <laughs> I got to blame him. That way this is recorded in case my wife asks. I can just blame Alex. There you go. <laughs> you, can blame, you can blame it on me. That's all right. I'll be responsible for that. Sweet That's solid tactic. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's get into this trad a little bit more, man. You you were You started shooting last year. You know, you, you kind of made that commitment that you're going to hunt with it. You know, how was that process going? Did you start shooting out of a tree stand with it or were you shooting all from the ground or how did you kind of like convince yourself that that was going to be your method of hunting last year? So I, I was instantly dead set on it and I started telling people that once I started telling people that I'm like, well, there's no turning back now. The hardest pill to swallow was losing your yardage. Obviously the compound you can shoot out. As far as you want, I mean, I didn't really care to shoot over 30 yards at the compound. But the biggest thing whenever it comes to that is just building up your confidence. I was just shooting every day. I didn't so much jump up in a tree right away, but I would go out to the garage. When I first, I was shooting every single day for probably till season. Even during season, I was shooting almost every night. I was still shooting. I'd go out there and I'd tell myself I'm going to shoot 20 arrows. I'd end up shooting 100 arrows. It was just too addicting. But that was the biggest start of it right there was just shooting a ton and trying to build up that confidence yeah i mean at what point in that process did you feel like you were good enough to be efficient out there to where you can make a good ethical kill shot uh within 15 yards i'd say honestly probably by the end of a month i felt like i i was i was shooting you know softball size groups at 15 yards okay so that's the kind of confidence you're talking about. Build that up. Just keep putting yeah, good groups then, in. And that'll help you get that'll help you get over the whole fact of the whole compound thing. Right. Of not being able to losing that distance. But once I got that confidence built up, I I felt good. But then it just come down I felt good in the garage. It was all a matter of being put in a hunting situation and that's where things changed. Okay. So when you first started hunting, I mean, how many opportunities do you think you missed that you may have had with a tradition or a regular compound bow? So the last year was my first season with it, and okay. I started out, and I had the first week. I so back up just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I had I bought that grizzly, and I shot that for. I shot it. That was my my go-to hunting bow. So I shot it clean up till hunting season. But in the meantime, it was like July. I got on. I was online looking at bows, and my buddy had a bow that was 66 inches, and it was like 42 pounds. And I went to his house and shot it, and it was just unbelievable. I could hold it so much longer, and I could. Just, it was just. It just felt awesome, and that was way more forgiving being a longer bow. My grizzly was 45 pounds, and it was 58 inches, so it was a shorter bow, and it was just it wasn't very forgiving at all. So I bought that puller and started shooting it, and I took it to a lot of 3D shoots, but it was only 36 pounds, so I wasn't I'd never had plans to hunt with it, but I shot I shot it extremely well. Clean out to like 20 yards, and it was I, I shot it really well, and I wanted to hunt with it, but I just couldn't justify hunting with the 36 pounds, so. My season started, and I had this first week I had a doe out of the ground, or yeah, out of the ground blind. That was the first doe, and she was 16 yards, and I shot way left over her back, and I had no idea what happened. I thought everything went good, but I'm pretty sure it was just all, all me, and I just didn't shoot like I do in the garage and torqued it a little bit. 
and then it would have been the following week i went down to my dad's and was hunting the farm and i was in the saddle this time and i had a doe come in 12 yards shot right underneath her so after that i was pretty disgusted and that's when i started thinking about switching to the puller and that's when i made the switch to the puller man that's like a freaking confidence ruiner the first two coming in and how far yeah. were these shots on them were they were they chip shots or were they a poke i mean they de- no they weren't no pokes they definitely should have been dead deer the one first one was out of the blind she had no idea i was even there the blind was there forever shot it was i think it was right around like 17 yards and i it, it was just all me i completely messed up the release everything it was just being in the moment it was all the adrenaline and everything else just threw me off on that one and then the other one it was the same it was easy i was easy side of my saddle right on the right side of my saddle she come right up right where i wanted her to and i right underneath her oh man and, didn't know, and i didn't know what happened there but i was blaming it on the bow it was me but I, just the shorter bow and as well as I was shooting that puller, that's when I was like, I just got to shoot that thing. Because I, I just, my confidence was so much higher with it. But then I had to build up the confidence of, well, it's a 36-pound bow. What am I going to do about that and get the penetration? I don't want to start hunting with it and have a good buck come in, shoot, and get two inches of penetration and do me no good. So that's whenever the whole, I started diving into getting an arrow set up for that and getting it shooting fast enough to where I felt it would do its job. Yeah. So now real quick, that 36 pounds, is that 36 pounds at your draw? Or is that 36 pounds? Yeah, 20, it, it's 36 pounds at 28 inches. Okay. And I, I draw roughly like inches. Right so you're not stacking really anything on it? No, not at all. And it's a 66 inch bow. So you'd have to be pretty big to stack that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious if that was something that was, you know, 36 pounds and you're stacking it and then, you know, but no. All right. Continue. Keep going. I was just curious. <laughs> nope. And so I got that set up and I ended up getting those old bows like that. It was a 1966. They say not to put a fast plate string on it. Me being me, I didn't pay any attention. I bought a fast plate, put a fast plate on it. They say it's not good for it because the the limb tips are supposed to be weaker. And a fast plate string just is like a lot smaller thread, and it's a lot tighter of a string. Like if you make a regular string, it's going to like a dragon string, it's going to stretch on you some. Usually a fast plate ain't going to stretch at all. They're just a lot tighter, and they make a heck of a difference in the speed of the arrows. Interesting. And I ended up going with the... Uh, Black Eagle X Impact. They're a micro diameter arrow. They're puny. They have an outsert on them with a 200 grain tip. And I was sitting right around 440 grains. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield extra meaty back ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield anytime favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. And that thing spit them out. You wouldn't, you, you would have never guessed it was a, a 36 pound recurve. It was spitting them out there really well. Was it pretty quiet too? It was super quiet, yeah. yeah. Was, I had string silencers on it and then I put two limb savers on the top end one on the bottom limb and it that thing was really really quiet that's awesome man Dude. and then yeah go ahead i never no you're good go ahead go ahead 
I, I just wanted to know if they made like a traditional bow or traditional archery encyclopedia for the terminology um, that I could <laughs> <laughs> study up <laughs> I'm trying not to be too confusing because it probably just sounds like gibberish to you guys. Not, I mean, Austin, you have a somewhat idea by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, I hear about it every day, so I kind of I, I yeah. picked up on quite a bit of it. So you've, you've asked enough yeah. questions. Listen, somebody somewhere is gaining from this. I can I, I can tell you that much, but Hopefully. no, for real, I'm I'm just messing around. I mean, I'm, I'm following along. It, it all makes sense. You're you're doing a great job. I was going to ask about the arrow setup, and then you go at you went and. Uh, answer that one so <laughs> i i gotta know though so at this point you're switching bows but you also mentioned you know one time you run out of the blind one time you're out of the saddle you know i mean that's almost got to make a huge difference does it not you mean like anchor point and everything else is it way different shooting from the air compared compared to uh shooting on the ground uh, not really. If anything, it's just a little bit different out of the stand. Your, your point on is just going to change a little bit, if anything, shooting out of the stand. It's so pretty much just like shooting the compound in a way. Okay, so like your aiming point and stuff might change a little bit, though. Is that just Yeah, fair? just a little bit, yeah. Okay. Due to the angle and everything. Like that. Yep. Yeah. So when you're in the saddle, though, how high typically would you hunt from? Are you staying lower or... Yeah, usually I'd, I'll chill right around like 12 feet. The higher you go, obviously, you guys know, the kill zone gets smaller. And with the recurve, I want that kill zone exactly. to be as big as I can get. Yeah, okay. I don't blame you there, bud. That's that's yeah. all. So stuff usually I just, I'll stay right around like 12 feet with it. But last year, I I did more ground hunting than I did out of the saddle. Anyway. Yeah, with the old ghillie and, suit. I saw that. I yeah, saw some pictures. And with my 66-inch uh, bow, the blinds that I have, I can't even shoot it out of them because it's <laughs> – too long oh that's i didn't even think point. about that yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of those blinds are like 60 inch blinds 65 inch blinds yep and that was part of the reason i never switched to that before season and stuck to the grizzly because i was like well this thing's smaller and if i get in a blind i'll be able to shoot it out of the blind wow the things you don't think about yeah we need yep. to get you like a like a goose layout blind so you can just lay on the <laughs> <laughs> pop out <laughs> just pop out and fling one <laughs> Just Rambo on deer. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, continue the saga then. I want to know what came next because at this point now, you, you got two devastating misses. You've switched bows. You're building your confidence. I mean, where'd you go from there? Yeah. So after that, I didn't have any more, didn't get any more shots off in PA. And we were headed out of state the last week of October. We went to Indiana to do a little, we do a little out of state trip every year and decided on Indiana this past year. And they all got buck tags, but there was this combo package. You could get a buck tag and two doe tags, and it was 200 and some dollars. I was like, well, I got the recurve. I want to fling arrows. So I was like, I'm going to buy the combo and shoot a doe if I see one. And I had an encounter with the seven point out there. Didn't get no shots at a buck, but it was the third day there. I had a doe. I got it all on film. I had a doe come in. I was in the saddle. I had her come in the night before, too, but the night before, she scurried by me before I she was out of my shooting lane before I could even get the chance to get my bow off the hook or anything. The second night she come out like the exact same time, her little one come up there and then she come up behind it and I was ready for her. Shot her at eight yards, smoked her right behind the shoulder, ended up hitting her in the heart and she ran like 60 yards and piled up. Sweet. And that, that was the first kill of that. And after that, that's when I realized like that gets plenty of penetration. I'll be good. My confidence was pretty good at that point. I wasn't really worried about the bow or my equipment at that point all come down to me 
Dude, first kill and you get to watch it go down, that's got to feel like something else. No, I didn't see her. She was like oh, 60 okay. yards. I heard, I heard her crash. There was just too much foliage. Yet. Everything out there was still pretty green. Gotcha. If, there if it had been November, I definitely would have. So how would you feel? I mean, after you hit her, you, you were pretty confident that she went down. Well, I was worried because it happened so quick. And, like, I seen half of my arrow laying there in the ground. I'm like, what happened? And it sounded weird. It felt good and everything, especially that close. That's just almost that's almost an instinctive shot there because right. it just feels automatic when you're that close. And I, it felt good, and I was all worried. And then I heard her crash, and I started feeling a little bit better. And then I got down out, and I or yeah, I got down out, and I got on my GoPro and watched the video as good as I could on there. And whenever I shot, I actually shot right through the back of the shoulder blade. So as soon as my arrow hit, she like went to jump, and it snapped that arrow off. So she had like three quarters of an arrow stuck in her. Oh dang! But once once I got down out and I put it together and realized what happened. I, I, I was pumped and then I started tracking her and it the blood was everywhere I looked down over the hill she was laying there and I was stoked dude what kind of arrow or no, not arrow what kind of uh, broadhead are you running the, I shot my buck and my doe this year with a VPA double bevel two blade 200 grain okay yeah I know you said it was 200 grain so it's a double bevel mm, pretty cool double man. bevel yeah yep, yep. I've never heard of that broadhead I'm gonna have to look that up yeah, VPA, they make a lot of fixed blades. I actually shot that turkey this year with a VPA single bevel, 200 grain. Same thing, just a single bevel. Interesting. I never heard of them either, but I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I was kind of wondering the same thing. I just knew it was a um, a big fix, like you mentioned, big 200 grain. Uh, that's pretty common. I see a lot of people throwing the 200 grains on traditional archery, a lot of weight up front. But, um, dude, I mean, first deer ever with the trad bow eight yards yeah it, it went perfect <laughs> that is awesome man and, and out of state that was your first out of state deer too is that correct yeah that would have been my first out of state deer that's awesome man congratulations that's that's really cool when you get it done with the trad bow it's i'll tell you what i'm really impressed in the fact that you missed twice with that first bow and then you didn't just go right back to compound compound yep you know that's what that's what, that's what everyone everyone said when after yep. i missed like oh it's time to go back to compound i was like nope and then, then i'm saying that maybe not want to do it it just made me stubborn <laughs> about it <laughs> yeah man commit commit <laughs> you know i was i was committed so i wasn't gonna back out on it that's awesome dude well i mean you alluded to a buck i gotta mm -hmm. we gotta keep rolling with this story here i gotta i gotta hear about this a little bit more yeah so indiana ended and I killed a doe and no one else ended up killing anything. And then we came back and I think uh, it was the first week in November, the second to the sixth. Uh, I believe the second was a Tuesday. Yeah, it had been the Tuesday of that week. Um, I got off work and I got off early that day and it was, everything everything was just like starting to heat up, up our way. Like it just seemed like everyone started seeing some chasing and some good buck activity. So I went down behind the house, did a hanging hunt and I just got in the stand got up there setting my saddle up my bow was still at the bottom of the tree i was getting connected to my bridge and everything and all i hear is this doe comes running right at the bottom of my tree and i was like oh no there was a good 10 point around the house i was hunting i was like i swear if he's coming behind her i'm not gonna be happy and she come right up stopped right at my bow she was just sniffing my bow and then all i hear is he started grunting <laughs> oh, coming dude. behind her and I was like, oh, God. And here it ended up being, it was a shooter. I would have shot him. Not, it was a decent nine point. He come right in there to, he was like 12 yards just standing there grunting. My bow was at the bottom of the tree. So I was like, I don't even know what to do. 
and he was kind of stupid so i was like i'm gonna try to get that thing up here and get a shot off of meanwhile she's standing by it so i was like i'm not gonna worry about spooking her I, I as soon as i move it she just jumps off and runs like six yards i got it probably halfway up the tree and then she took off running and he just right after just and I, was, I was pretty sick over that one but they didn't freak out at all about like the floating bow. No, no, no not, not at all. And that's what I mean. She must have been a little bit stupid too, because it took her a little bit. I had it halfway up the tree before, and she was standing right there, just like watching it pretty much. And then she took off, and then that's whenever he took off after. And I was like, oh man. You're thinking, what's that was, funny looking sixty-six <laughs> inch squirrel doing on that tree? Yeah, hanging from a rope. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. But, Oh, and then that same week I took off work Thursday and Friday that Thursday I hunted in the morning I didn't have any action and I went down to my dad's around noon and I went put on this is the first set with the ghillie, ghillie suit I was like I'm gonna bounce around on the ground I put on the ghillie suit went down in there and got tucked up in behind the it was like a old log but it was up against the standing pine so I was like right in the corner where they met and I was just sitting there on the ground, right in a good pinch point between the railroad tracks and then a uh, big field on the other side. The whole chunk of woods that I was sitting in, I was about right in the middle. It's probably 150 yards wide, but there's a creek that runs down the middle and it pinches everything to one side for like a 50 yard span. So it's it's a pretty solid pinch point and our families kill a lot of deer in that spot. It sounds but pretty awesome. Like, yeah, it's it's a it's a killer spot. Every year it produces it's almost the same exact dates too. Damn. And I went down there and set up and I wasn't in there 15 minutes. It was like, it was just like, I think it was 10 till one or something like that. And then I heard something, sh- sh- here come a doe, she ran right up. She stopped us, she was within five feet of me. I, I couldn't, I had on my ghillie suit and then I have a ghillie suit head net with the whole face cut out of it. And I could see through the netting. She was standing right beside me. Like I could have reached out and smacked her. I could hear her breathing. She was just standing there. And then all of a sudden I heard grunting again and turned around and there was a dandy eight point. He come in and he was standing right behind her at like 10 yards. And there was, there was nothing I could do from that point. I just sat there, I had my bow up, but they were right over top of my right shoulder. And she ended up smelling being that close. It took her a minute. She ran in front of me like 15 yards and he like started walking beside me. And he was still probably like anywhere from 12 to 15 yards. And I slowly went to turn and he caught that and he ran back to like 40, stopped, looked at me and then trotted off. And she, she hung around there. I almost, I probably could have shot her, but I was hoping that she'd hang around there and bring another buck in or something. I thought she was just a hot doe. Yeah, live decoy, man. Leave her alone. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So then that was, that was two that week, and I was like, oh, man, my, my luck's running out. And that same evening, I stayed in that same spot. I didn't move. It was just before dark, the last light. Behind me, there's a bunch of pine trees, and in the pines, I caught a glimpse of a deer, and that was directly downwind to me. And I wanted to grunt, and I was like, yeah, I better not grunt, because if I grunt, he's going to stop, and then he's definitely going to win me, because he's directly downwind. So I let him go by me. He got out of sight. I did a couple grunts sat there nothing and then it was like 20 minutes later I, I heard footsteps behind me and i turned around and here come that it was not the same buck that was with that doe but a little bit smaller buck he was like a 16 inch eight point and i was i was definitely gonna shoot him i'd have been happy with him with the recurve and i turned around and he was coming in right behind me and he the problem is with the ghillie suiting off the ground i think you almost need a decoy if you were gonna grunt them in or call them in in some way because they're looking for another deer and it seems like they'll hit that 30-yard radius around you and then start that circle to get downwind to you. But he would, he come right in, hit that 30 yards, went right downwind to me, and that was it. He ended up winding me and taking off. Man, that's a bummer. I mean, I've shot a couple of deer from the ground. It's always been either from like a homemade ground blind or it was just like coincidence. But, I mean, 
I've never like rut hunted from the ground. I can't even imagine having bucks around me like that. Just and hot does running around and yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't know. That sounds wild. A, a I think I've gotten four from the ground now, and I've hit a couple and missed a few of them as well. That's intense, but, man. Oh, it is. It's a it's a blast. This year was the first year I really got into it big time with the ghillie suit and everything. Now with the recurve, it just the recurve just changed my whole outlook on the season. But, <laughs> so crazy. But after that, uh, it would have been that Friday. Same thing. I didn't have any no action that Friday morning, and I went to a different spot for the afternoon. Afternoon, got in there around one, and I had it was another eight point, fifteen, sixteen inch eight point. I was happy with him. He come in there. I grunted him in four different times within 20 minutes he'd come in there to 30 yards look around wouldn't see anything he'd leave go one direction i'd grunt him back he'd come back in 30 yards look around nothing he'd go the opposite direction i grunted him in again he'd come back same thing every time i, I don't know how how he did it four times but after that i was like i just gave up on it and let him go <laughs> never got a shot at that one dude that deer wanted to die bad <laughs> <laughs> that's what i know with, with the 30 he was just teasing me it's like he knew yeah I, he had me so tempted. I was like, "Be stupid!" And I'm gonna spook him. <laughs> now, Alex, before you go on any farther, I, I actually have a pretty interesting question. I'm wondering, do you see? And you've mentioned it now how much action you've had from like calling and different things from the ground. Do you see an increase or an uptick from whenever you're calling from the ground in responses than from your traditional always hunting up in a tree stand? You know, the prior X amount of years in your life. Do you see a big difference in it? Not really, because I've had I've probably had the same amount of luck either. Or I've always been big into blind calling. Like ninety percent of the deer I've killed have been grunted in or like okay. archery bucks. I'm a big rut hunter, but blind calling, I'm I'm big into grunting all the time. Yeah. Now from the ground, do you change up your tactics at all? I mean, are you shuffling in the leaves? Are you, you know, raking? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. I I get kicking leaves and stuff around just to make a little bit more noise. Mm-hmm. I've everything I've seen that a lot of a lot of guys swear by it, and I've seen plenty of videos show it actually works. But yeah, it definitely. I'd say it definitely makes a difference in that aspect because you can do so much. You can break sticks, kick leaves, do whatever when you're on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like your sample size might be a little small, saying that you had one rut basically with the trad from the ground, but. I just figured yeah. it sounds like, I mean, the way your story's going, that you've been having a shit ton of action from the ground with <laughs> yeah. rattling and grunting. That's why I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I've ever had that much action, yeah. especially in a single killed, season. Yeah, and I killed a buck with my dad. One year I broke my foot and I was on crutches, and I couldn't climb any stands, so we snuck into the bottom. We He's seen a big half rat go in there mid-morning, so he got me out of score. He went down in there, made a little ground blind. And he had, we grunted that, it was a big half rack. We grunted him in and I shot him off the ground, but he, it was the same thing. As soon as we got down in there and grunted, it wasn't 10 minutes. Here come a buck. So off the ground, I mean, it, I could definitely see it making a difference. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick little, uh, fun question there for you. It was an interesting question. Yeah. I liked it. Yep. So after that, that would have been the next Saturday. I got my girlfriend into hunting. So usually on, she'll only hunt weekends and she'll either pick morning or evenings on Saturdays. I let her pick. A lot of the time she picks the evenings because she don't want to wake up. So I was fine with that. I took her. I went out Saturday. I didn't see anything. That evening we went out, and we went to the back side of the farm, and I didn't have anything set up over there. So I just made us a little ground blind and some pines, and we sat up there. And there's an old tram road we were pretty much set up on, and I expected the deer to come up that tram road. Well, it was just we didn't see any deer. It was just getting dark. 
and I heard something behind me to my right, which I expected the deer to be coming from my left. And I turned around and there was a doe. She was probably 15 yards behind me. And my girlfriend was on the left of me. So I was in between her and the deer. And it come right up, walked up that tram road, across the tram road. And I told her, I said, here comes another deer. I can hear it. I thought it was another doe. She had a doe tag. I was going to let her shoot it. So I was like, go ahead. We're gonna, I'm going to slowly get you turned here. And when this one comes up on there, go ahead and shoot it. Well, I turned back around, and there was a, he was a dandy. I think he was a big seven point. He was just standing there just staring at me. He caught me whenever I turned my head. So I was froze there in the ground, and we had to stare off for like 10 minutes, and he snorted and ran off with that doe. So that was that was the last of my action until I ended up killing my buck. Whew. That's a pretty good season so far. Like, honestly, I'm not yeah. going to. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah. there, I've had worse seasons than that before. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's it's definitely was my best season as far as encounters and everything like that go. Even if I went to kill my buck, it definitely still probably would have been one of my top seasons as far as how many encounters I had and how many chances I had. Yeah, action packed. It was exciting. It sounds. Yeah, it definitely was. But after the six, it was it was like everything just died off. It was an extremely weird rut. It was one of the weirdest ones I've ever experienced. I think. I would say it was kind of like, it was a slow trickle around here from what I can remember. Yeah. That week, that week in November 2nd to the 6th, it was like everything was going wild and it was just like flick of the switch. There was nothing. Like even the cams were dried up and I wasn't seeing deer running at all. It was just very weird around here. Yeah. I'm trying to think back now. I think it was that last week in October was starting to pick up. And then I think you're right. I think it was that first week in November was pretty, pretty wild that for a second. Bad. And then if I'm thinking right yeah, I think so. Anyway, I digress. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after that, everything kind of died off and I was just, I was bouncing all over. I was doing um, a lot, pretty much all ground hunting. I don't think I got back up in the saddle at all after that. Um, I had another encounter. It wasn't a shooter. I did a ground set across the road from my dad's, which is still swamp down there. And I was set up, I was like six yards from the deer trail. It was a cool little setup. And I, I blended in perfect. I was sitting on my little stool. And I had a little buck come in chasing the doe. He chased her right by me 10 yards. And they had no clue I was there. It's something how close it'll get to you and have no idea. But if I wouldn't have had that ghillie suit on and I'd have been sitting there just in my camo, I'd have instantly got picked off. It's just, it's, it almost feels like you're invisible around them. And I think it's just how well it breaks up your outline. You're making me want to wear my ghillie suit more. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I know a lot of guys. Uh, Barry, there's an old guy named Barry Wenzel. who He's a killer. He kills some studs out of the... Uh, with the recurve and he's in like his 60s he'll do like eight foot setups not even eight feet six feet off the ground in a saddle or a lock-on and he'll wear a ghillie suit and he says that he can sit in a wide open he swears just as long as his deer can see daylight between your platform and the bottom of the tree they can see a little bit of daylight there there's that won't be spooked at all he'll use that ghillie suit and he can get away with like anything i haven't tried it yet I don't know. I might have to try that now. Just, you know, yeah. I got to test the theory. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, you would think it's it's a net with strings on it. It honestly is pretty warm. If you put it on over something else, it's actually a pretty good layer. Yeah. Well, most of the time when I want to use it, it's early season and it is way too warm. Yeah. It's like oh, wearing yeah, a big fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> I, walking in with it half the time, I'd be sweating. And I cut the whole left sleeve off mine because whenever I shoot with it on, my string would catch and my air would just... It was, I was hitting like two feet short with it on there. So I cut the whole left sleeve off of it. Yeah, I trimmed all mine down with scissors, so it's real short. Yep. You, you pointed so, at the wrong arm, by the way. No one saw that, but 
Yeah, you're not. I just, I just met in general. Bro. You're not left-handed. <laughs> no, I'm, <not>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, wait, why is he pointing at his right arm? Because right I don't now? want to karate chop this microphone. That's why. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Good, Alex. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I forget where I was at. That's probably my fault. The ghillie suit up in the tree. We were testing the theory there. <laughs> what did you? Get? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, the ghillie suit up in the tree. But anyways, that same night, right before dark, dark there. I caught a glimpse of a deer coming to my right, and here was, I think it was a little seven point, and I was pretty tempted to shoot him, but I was like, nah, I better not. He, he wasn't, I mean, he was just a little basket rack, nothing big, it was just a little buck, but I, I'd been happy with him. But he come by, and I was like, nah, I'm going to let it go, just a little bit of time left. That was like probably November 8th, 9th, and after that, I didn't have hardly any action. I was bouncing all over, trying new places, and that was whenever I started going to the area that I actually killed my buck. I hadn't been there until the week prior, to, and that was so that all started november 12th me and a buddy there's some game lands back the road to my house like 20 25 minutes um it's just shy of the national allegheny national forest by like five ten minutes i wasn't far from the national forest we decided to go back there there's this big cut that we've seen and there's a gate that they open they open it like the middle of archery season every year so it's not like an area you can go back and scout unless you're willing to walk five six miles to get back in there I know so we never like really scouted right yeah it, but it, every year there's there's dandies that come out of there especially in rifle not so much archery because a lot of people i don't feel like archery hunt it because it's just like i said one of them places it's hard to get to and i can't scout it much yeah but uh, we went out there one evening um it would have been yeah it was the 12th we went out there in the evening we didn't get out there till like two or three and we were planning on just bouncing around we had our bows and just like kind of scouting it out a little bit seeing what it was like and we started out and it was just big open woods and then it all led to a big clear cut and it's it's a huge clear cut it's like a 200 acre clear cut and they left a ton of oaks standing in it that's pretty much the only thing that's left is some oaks and they're all giant red oak that's different and yeah that's what i thought too and there's not a ton of undergrowth it's a fresher cut but there's so much red oak in it and so we started creeping we were just walking the edge of it just kind of scouting it. you could see a long ways out through it because it was a pretty fresh cut so anything that was standing up you were seeing for the most part other than in a few spots i mean you could see five six hundred yards clean out into it and we were sneaking along and then we seen a, a doe jump up and when she jumped up there was like i'd say probably eight does and they all took off running and i was like there's not a buck with them like that and i was already disgusted with the rut because i wasn't seeing much after that and i was like i don't understand what's going on eight does there and not one buck well we walked a little bit further, and there was a buck there. He ended up jumping up and running off with him. And it wasn't the one I ended up killing because he had this buck had some pretty white horns. For, he was probably 200 yards away. And we seen him take off running, and we were like, after that, we were like, all right, let's not even mess around here anymore. That was on a – I think the 12th was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure. And we would planned on that next – the following week, which – the following week, Thursday and Friday, after that Friday, we were planning on coming back in there, which would have been the 18th and 19th last two days of the season i had off work thursday and friday he had off work friday it's friday him and i were going to go in there together and kind of just give it one last two raw and see how it goes well he ended up going in there the saturday after we scouted it that night he messaged me he's like would you care if i went in there i don't know where to go i said yeah go right ahead he went in there and i took the girlfriend out i didn't have any service so i got out of the woods and he called me he said hey i hit a big one blah 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 so i was like all right i'll be out went out there talked to him about it and he wasn't 100% sure in the hit. He said he thought he smoked it. Well, we tracked it probably 100, 100 yards that night. Didn't hit it bad or anything. And it wasn't solid blood. It was just, it looked like someone like filled a shot glass with blood like every 10 yards and just kind of 
looked splattered out like every 10 to 15 yards or just a, a little bit here and there and it wasn't like a real dark red or anything or the real bright red so i was like uh i was like I, if i was you i would just back out so he's like all right i'll back out we had to work the next day we ended up taking off work the next two days went in there the next morning and he we tracked it to the same spot where we left off couldn't find any blood past that so he knew a guy that had a dog that guy came in with the dog and they tracked they tracked they got on the track twice they started it where we left off tracked the way to a dirt road he brought the dog back started it there again and it took him to the exact same spot so after that the guy's like the dog won't pick anything up on the other side of the road or anything so the guy told him he's like i'd i'd say he's an all right deer and garrett was like all right i'm gonna take off work tomorrow and i'm just gonna grid search give it one last go and he never had any luck so after that that would have been yeah that was that saturday so 18th and 19th he worked which was that thursday friday he had to work that thursday when i had off that thursday and friday and we planned on hunting it together friday but we never got out there at all in between then to go in there and find a spot and that friday we didn't want to go in there blind in the dark and just climb a tree it was the last day we wanted to at least have something decent so i told him i'd go out there thursday and just still hunt my way around and try to scout it out a little bit and maybe find a spot for both of us that way we weren't going in there blind so that was that was the day that it all, it all goes down that's this is where it all starts and oh, so, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> like the anticipation i'm like dude you honestly you're doing a phenomenal job right now building this it's it's yeah. it's i'm like crawling waiting to I'm hear not, it i'm not the best speaking under situations i've got no got you're doing tremendous yeah but i mean it's it's a deer story so that that takes a total different category from from any normal speaking right i mean deer stories oh, are yes. di they're it's, different yeah <laughs> it's about the only thing i can talk about <laughs> deer it's good dude so that morning uh the night before i looked and it was showing rain pretty much all day it wasn't showing like storms or anything it was just like a slow drizzle starting around 7 seven thirty. So I decided I was like, I'm going to go down in there. And I actually accessed it from a whole different way than where he did when he hit that buck and where uh, we went into scout. I went the whole way down and actually drove down into the swamp bottom. We come in off a hill up above. So I drove down into the swamp bottom where they they uh, had lost his buck at. And his buck, so there's a dirt road that cuts this swamp in half. And I drove it, down the dirt road heading north. And on the right side of me would have been part of the swamp and on the left side of me would have been part of the swamp he shot it on the left side but it ended up crossing and going clean over to the right side that's where they tracked it so that day i went down there i told them they went over there on the right side with grid search and i said i'm just going to go back in there on the left where you shot it and i was still i mean i was probably three quarters close to a mile away from where he shot it and i i decided i was gonna wait till like gray light and just kind of creep my way in there i was just playing on ground hunting and just sneaking around I've had all day to hunt. I was just going to spend the day there. I packed lunch and everything. And so I waited. It got gray light. And it was it was just a weird morning. There's nobody else out there at all. I didn't see a single car the way back in there, which surprised me being the second to last day. And it was just, it was overcast. And it was, it rained right before I went in. So everything was soaked. And it was just kind of foggy. It was real gloomy. It was just, there was weird, weird spirit in the air that day. Now I know why, I guess. <laughs> it was just different. But so uh, my plan was the the wind we had a west wind that day and i was going to head up the left side of the swamp which the wind would have been blowing in my face heading right up the swamp and there's a bunch of beaver ponds the hoy up through this valley so I, my plan was i was just going to creep the left side of the beaver ponds up through because i have a, a lot of a lot of times i'll catch a lot of them deer like cruising that just that outer edge of, like them pines and all that that stuff right on the edge of the beaver ponds it just 
I always have luck with right around there and always find buck beds too. So I was like, I'm just going to creep up through there and do some sets here and there. Well, I started in and I made it like a hundred yards and I was found a nice intersection. The clear cut was up on this little hill above me and I'm still down in the swamp. I was like, I'm going to do a little set here. And if there's anything up in that clear cut right there close, it might hear me and come down in here. So I did a little set there. I sat for probably 25, 30 minutes, got up and instead of staying in the swamp and continuing to creep up the swamp, I decided to kick up into the clear cut so I could glass around. I could see probably up there at this point probably four or five hundred yards clean out i was like i just want to go up there and see if i see anything got up there and didn't see anything so i walked the hard edge of this clear cut the whole way and i'm walking it parallel with the swamp the swamp would be down below me to my right and i was walking parallel with the swamp and i got out the clear cut it runs out this big finger and then the finger kind of just curls around and the whole finger is logged down to nothing and it's nothing but big borders and it's weird the way that out there where they did the logging on that part they took every tree there's not a tree out there it's pretty much bare ground all the branches and stuff they delimbed all the trees out there so they just kind of pushed all the branches into a bunch of piles so i went out there and was just sitting on a rock looking i could see forever and i ended up seeing three well i think it was a mother and two little ones seen a mother and two little ones i sat out there for 10 15 minutes and i was like all right it started sprinkling i was like i'm gonna sneak down in here and get back down into the swamp and start creeping up the left side like i was so i start I head down through the clear cut and I just get to the edge of the woods and it turns in the whole way along the swamps, like a, a bunch of dead cherry, which is I think every swamp in PA dead cherry and uh, a ton of little saplings. Like some areas you could see 40, 50 yards, other areas you could see 20 yards or 10 yards. It was just depending on how thick the saplings were where you were at. So I come down through the clear cut and started into the woods right there. And I was in the woods probably 30 yards and I, I was creeping around. I had an arrow in my hand and I was carrying my bow. I, when I was in the clear cut, I had the arrow actually in my bow and knocked. But once I got down in there, it was thick and it was just more of a pain trying to carry it around in there. Yeah. So I ended up just having it in my hand. Well, I started in there and there was a big cherry tree that was blowed over and a bunch of saplings. It was like blew into them saplings. So I went to the right to go around it and I just got to like the backside of it and right there, uh, it seen a deer. So I like half crouched and same time that that deer seen me. Like, the same time I seen it, it seen me. So, like, we were just having to stare off. And this all happened with probably a 20-second period. It sounds like forever, but it was just, it wasn't. And out of the corner of my eye to the left, all I seen was horns. Here, that it was a doe that I had seen originally. She was standing there, and she caught a glimpse of me. But where I come in, so I'm almost positive that she was bedded there. I'm not 100% sure that he was bedded, but I'm pretty sure that they were bedded there because it was perfect. The wind would have been, they had the west wind they would have been facing down the swamp where I came in in the morning. So if I would have never crossed and went up into that clear cut, if I would have continued walking the left edge of that swamp, I'd have probably never seen them deer. They would have seen me coming from however far away. Yeah. But just, just me going up into that slashing and then cutting back down into the swamp where I, I cut it. There's so many little things that went perfect. I cut right where I cut into the swamp. Like if I had cut in another 50 yards to my right, he would have seen me cause I'd have been down below. But where I come in, I come in like, great like he would have been facing directly away from me from where he was at and it was quiet you couldn't hear anything you couldn't hear anything it was drizzling and obviously everything was wet so there was water hitting off the the trees that were dripping and stuff like that so whenever she see she seen me i knew she seen me but like she was confused i had my ghillie suit on and i had on that face mask so she was she was like trying to make me out and he had no idea what was going on well then she started getting weird and that's when i hurried up i just kind of ignored her and i was like i'm getting an arrow in him one way or another it was a super hard angle and she's 
I hurried up, got the arrow knocked, and that by this point she's starting to turn, and he was standing facing away, and he turned and was like looking at her, and I drew back, and this whole shot was just like a complete blur. I shot and I ended up hitting high left, and I ended up spining him the first shot, so that did his back end down, and he fell down, and I was like, oh man, I didn't realize how big he was until after that first shot, and I was like, holy cow, like I knew he had horns, and I hurried up, got another arrow out of my quiver, got it knocked, and got spun around like six yards and was able to get another one in there and it was it was a perfect shot double long and he was dead within 30 seconds i wasn't too happy with the first shot but it was just it was just the way it went in the situation and everything dude what a wild ride man <laughs> holy <laughs> smokes that's that's I, I was down to the point where i was about to shoot it the second to last day like i i never expected a buck of that caliber and it just it, it was wild now here's my kind of question do you think you could have made the same shot as fast as you did with a compound uh, no, no, definitely not. So, like, the traditional bow actually, like, helped you out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I still, like, hit my anchor and everything, but with the compound, I would have had to hit my anchor, find my peep sight, look through the peep sight, then do all that process. Like, there, I was already looking at the tip of my arrow before I was drawn back the whole It was just kind of a quick, quick thing. And I do think that he jumped it a little bit. Obviously, them bows don't shoot fast enough, and they make some noise. So I, I do think he jumped it a little bit, but I still, I had to pull the shot because I hit back left a good bit and definitely high. Man, that is pretty freaking sweet though so you you said you didn't think he was that big until you know you you made that shot because whenever it all happened so quick when i went down in there like i seen that doe and then i seen that there was a buck with her and all i seen i looked over and i seen the horns i was like all right it's it's a buck like it's definitely illegal and that's whenever i I didn't even pay attention to the horns i was just worried about getting an arrow off and that all happened it happened just so quick oh man describe him a little bit for me i've seen the picture of him i know what he looks like he's he's a freaking stud man he's so he has he broke off the left brow. Yep. So he has five on that side up top, and his uh, G2s are shorter than his G3s. So that's that's pretty cool looking on him. But he, his horns are super dark, super super dark. Like compared to all the deer I've ever, even my taxidermist, everybody that he said come in there, they were just wondering why it was so dark. And there's all sorts of theories on it. Some people say genetics. Some people say it's because all they're doing is rubbing on pines. But I don't know. I don't know. I have that whole swamp theory. Yeah, I've heard the dark timber yeah, that's, theory. That's that's what I've always stuck kind of with is that dark timber. And he was he was definitely a swamp buck. But his ears, his left ear, he's missing probably I don't know three inch chunk out of his left ear. Yeah. And his right ear, his right ear probably has I'll bet you fifteen slits in it. A little fighter. His ears are, <laughs> it's a bruiser, man. Right. That's what my taxidermist said. You want me to keep the ears like that? I was like, yeah, if you could. He said those ears took him forever to do. That's wild, <laughs> man. Did you have that deer but, aged at all? No, I didn't keep a tooth. He ended up, I, whenever I went back to pick up the horns, I completely forgot to ask him to keep a tooth for me, so I never did. If I were okay. to get, I'd say probably at least a five-and-a-half-year-old deer, but he could be older. That's just that you never know once they get to being mature how old yep. they could actually be. And that's after seeing his ears in there. I was wondering. His body was kind of deceiving. It, it was He was super long body. His body was super long i didn't think he was that big but then i was like well maybe his horns make his body look small i don't know but he ended up being here he was (laughs) i never did weigh him but he was up there dude that deer's a brute it's an absolute brute just a swamp donkey as we like to Um, call him (laughs) i never a dream buck of mine is always to kill a big pa buck like to have it happen at 24 i was just very blessed i definitely didn't take that moment Heck yeah, man. I mean, and to do with the trad bow and and the season you had and down to the wire, I mean, it it always seems like 
when you're having those kind of seasons where nothing's going right, it, it always seems like it comes down to the wire and all of a sudden it just happens all in a blink of an eye too, you know, like yeah, real quick. I, and I, yep. All it takes is 10 seconds. It, literally yep. it's just, I, I never expected that to happen that day. It was just such a shitty day. And I was like, why am I even out here? But it's second to last day. I'm like, yeah, give it a go. But it's just, it, it blew my mind. I never, even after it happened, like he was laying there, I let him expire. And I was just like, I didn't even walk up. I, I was just like in shock. I didn't know what to do. I had no service. So I couldn't call anyone. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to call my dad so bad. He was at work, but I couldn't call him until I got. I didn't. I didn't want to leave the deer there because there's no way I was getting him out there by myself. It was so rocky and everything. It took us forever to get him, probably a thousand yards. We didn't have to get him that far, but it was just. Yeah, I was just in shock. I didn't want to leave him there. I was like, what if someone's out here hunting, comes down here, and sees him, cuts his head off? So I left everything there. I took off pretty much everything except for I had on my. Uh, underclothes all my underclothes and i pretty much covered them up put my backpack by his head and everything and left him there and then went and called some buddies and we come back in a couple hours later and we ended up getting them out of there that, that's risky <laughs> you real ain't, risky you ain't kidding man i don't know if i could have yeah. done it i never i never left the general area i left and went out and got my truck and drove okay. up the road and got served i got service but no I, I was sitting outside the woods the whole time like i was i was pacing the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah i'd have been a little little nervous about that one you never know yeah. i mean at least yep. you knew he was down though i mean that's that's always the nice part you didn't have to worry or have to wonder like did i make a good shot did i not make a good shot you know on big yep. bucks like that that will eat you up yeah and to make the story even wilder so the one kid the kid that i went out there scouting with i told you about hit a big buck he was working that day so i couldn't call him so i called his brother and another buddy of mine and they come out i got it got it and everything and this was five days after he had hit that buck out there and his brother was looking at it that ended up being the same buck he hit he dead man zoned it. he shot underneath the spine with a little three-quarter inch muzzy oh no <laughs> yeah there was just you could see the perfect muzzy hole right through there and he must have been keeping it cleaned up pretty good because he had to he had there was no gain green nothing like that and it was already like starting to close up around and everything it's pure dead man and wow that just goes to show how tough them things are too because I, where he where they uh where he shot him from it was a long ways away and that was five days later and he was already on lockdown with another doe like nothing ever even happened yeah that's the part that that kind of blows my mind is the deer had been wounded and shot and was still laying with a doe a week later yep and that yep and that's garrett garrett thought that he was a lot lower than what he was that's my buddy but he ended up being yeah he's right right underneath the spine if he'd have been two inches higher he'd have drilled the spine wow man there was that's that explains why we found hardly any blood at all whenever we tracked them there was barely anything oh for sure a high hit like that i mean it's mm -hmm. not yeah yep. that's crazy I've, yeah i've hit a, i've hit a couple does up there and i hit one buck up there before too and that's they they say it's a surviving deer so i i really think he probably would have been all right as long as he survived winter without infection or anything yeah jeez man that's crazy I, <laughs> yeah and that, so whenever his brother see his brother's like i think this might be the one get he hit and i was like no way we went over looking at it and we like scraped around it and you could that you could see the the blade the perfect free blade where it went zipped right through but it was something <laughs> i didn't believe it at first I was yeah like, no way and, yeah. Then, and then we called him at work and he's like no way he was freaking out <laughs> had to take it down there and show him you're up there counting the holes like all right hold on we got one here and one yeah. here those are me <laughs> yeah. what about that little guy over there there's blood there's blood coming out of these two i'm not sure about it. i only remember shooting two arrows 
Oh, man. What I loved about that entire story was, you know, you're very calculated with your moves. I mean, even throughout this entire podcast, I've noticed like everything that you described or the detail you go into, everything seems very calculated. And I mean, honestly, like you said, everything had to go right. But at the same sense, I think there was something behind that, that you had the woodsmanship and you were making the right moves just instinctively. And you might play it back like dumb luck, but I, I still I, I would give you credit on this one. I mean, I think that was very instinctive that you made every right move based on the calculations and how you played out. Even going to the point, like you said, you wanted a really good setup the next day, so you had to get in there the day before, you know, to make sure that you were calculating a, a strong possibility of having a good hunt the next day. Even, you know, that everything played out perfect and you know well deserved and well earned, man, for sure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you guys. I appreciate that a lot. That's, I, I try to, I, I like to think things through, but sometimes I just, you get overthinking and that's, that's where I quit. That's where I quit thinking and just stick with your, stick with that gut. That's what I've always done. And it always seems to go better when I do that. Anytime yeah. I try to get on the, stick to the way you were taught to hunt the way I look at it. Cause anytime I try to get on, you know, Oh, I'm going to start hunting buck beds or I'm going to start doing this. It's just, it starts ruining hunting for me. I just, I just do it the way my dad's always done it with me. And, that's just the way I was born into it, I guess. Hell yeah, it's definitely for sure. It consumed me. Yep, yep, that's what I mean, man. Just the woodsmanship and the instinctives to, to get out there, get boots on the ground, and then just let it play from there. And honestly, some of the best hunts we've had around here is the same thing. You know, just let's go in blind, boots on the ground, figure things out, and then boom, next thing you know, you're either A, setting up for a, a hunt successful later, or B, you're successful that day. So um props to you man that was a great season and two deer with the trad bow i mean that's that's unbelievable yeah hopefully next season i'm not expecting near as much that's what i tell everyone don't be upset if you see me posted up with a 16 inch eight point i'm just as tickled with it so that's right no (laughs) no you gotta you gotta know i mean bucks like this like you said you've been hunting your whole life you wanted to kill something like that since you've been nine this is the first real big one you can't really set the expectations on yourself to go out and do it again you know they they only come around over so often we're still in pennsylvania <laughs> you know, right. and that, that's just, yep. they're they're out there but man honestly if you do that you're not like you said you're not going to enjoy it as much get out there enjoy it shoot yep. the first deer that's going to make you happy and you know what post that picture in your ghillie suit and your 66 inch freaking bow and people are still going to go damn that dude's just killing it yep that's that's just that's what i mean don't let anyone get down on you just keep pushing that's right. Well, before we let you go, I just have one more quick question that came up in the middle of that story that I, I we did not touch on your setup, and we can make this very quick. But when you're no, running, you're good. when you're running ghillie, running gun on the ground, like what's the pack setup looking like? What are you running as your pack, and what are you running as a quiver? So a quiver on that on my, I have a whole new bow for this year, but I'll go that base through last year. Last year mm-hmm. I had a uh, it was a strap a strap that. One, a piece, the top piece of the quiver straps on the top limb bottom piece straps on the, the bottom limb it stays on at all times i just pop okay. an arrow out the street okay and for a pack i have a badlands pack that i run it's a little bit bigger of a pack but for my ground sets i don't really mind it because when i'm in the tree it can be a pain especially if you're in a smaller tree because i think it sticks out like a sore thumb so when i'm hunting the tree i try to pack light but if i'm going to do a ground set and i'm setting all day i like to just have everything i need so i'll bring my it's just a decent sized backpack nothing like you take out west or anything mm-hmm but i uh i'll take it and usually like 
I don't just sit out in the wide open. Like I'm always busting off a couple sticks, maybe hit not much. I don't have to make like a full blown ground blind, but just enough. I don't wear the pants. I just enough to kind of cover my lower section. Let me get away with some, a little bit of lower movement. Like if I was rattling or something like that, I could get away with that lower movement and I don't have to worry about anyone, anything seeing my bag. Cause usually it's tucked right down underneath me. Okay. So I'm pretty much on top of it whenever I have them set ups. Sweet, man. That that's that's helpful as well because I didn't know if you know you were just feeling pockets or or what you were doing whenever you were you know with the ghillie suit on as well. No, but the push actually makes a quiver. I just got it this year. Okay. Uh, they make a quiver. It's like it straps on your leg. It's pretty nice. I'm not going to use it as a, a quiver. I'm going to use it. It has like a big zipper on it. It's a big pack. It drops down. I'm going to use that for a lot of my ground sets this year. And then it'll just be right there, handy, strapped my leg. That sounds pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, it's it's honestly a really even for the saddle. I think it'd be the ultimate pack. Look it up when you guys get the chance. But it's just the push pack. It's right on their website. It's it's a heck of a pack. It's pretty neat. Dig it. I'm writing it down. Yeah. I gotta look at it. <laughs> yep. There you go. <clears throat> Well, Say he convinced me to buy a new pack too. Yeah, no, I know. yeah. What, what's going on here? <laughs> so funny. So funny. Oh man. Well, dude, we are getting there close on time. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. But before we let you go, let everybody know where they can find you: Facebook, Instagram, you know, YouTube, all those yeah. fun places. Wherever, wherever you got your stuff. Instagram, my Instagram name is just Alex Lindemuth, no dash or anything. It's just one solid thing. And then I have my PA Ridge Reapers account. But like I said, I haven't been too active on there. I post more on my regular one. And then Facebook, just Alex Lindemuth. And I also, that Doe Kill for Indiana, I have it on YouTube. A group of my buddies back here, we started just a little thing to throw all of our film into. It's nothing crazy. It's called the non-typicals. So if there's, you want to check out that video or anything, you can get on there. And that, that's on there. And then I have a couple of Shed Hunt videos on there as well from this year. Sweet, man. I'll link all that stuff in the in the show notes and stuff, too. Yep. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you guys a ton for having me on. I had a blast. Absolutely, buddy. And we will see you in about a month's time at the uh, at the shoot, I hope. For sure. I'm, I'm sure hoping to make it up there. It's like it's just shy of two hours for me, but I really want to come out. So hopefully I can come out and fling some errors with you guys. Yeah, bring some buddies and, and make a day out of it. I think it'd be a good time. So yep, at least we're going to sure. make it a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be a blast. I'm definitely hoping to make it out there. Awesome, man. If it's not fun, we can just blame Chuck. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> if, if you ain't having fun around me, there's something wrong with you, not me. <laughs> blame Joe. He's not here. Yeah, we'll blame Joe. There exactly. Go. Good point. <laughs> All well, right, awesome. buddy. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you soon. Yep, not a problem. You guys have a good one. Take care. Thanks, man.